Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. A lot of sports shows today have addressed what happened in Kansas City at the championship parade yesterday, the shooting. Uh, one woman was killed. A bunch of children were injured. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't think I have anything to say that is productive. I don't think I I don't think I can add to the discussion. I don't necessarily think this is the platform to add to this discussion. To others who that do address it, no problem with it at all. I just don't think that I'm the person and this is the show and, and this is the time. I was watching some clips today. I thought Nick Wright, who I... I I think I I bring him up probably a good amount on the show. I really like his TV show, First Things First. Their show was at the parade yesterday. They were broadcasting live there. Uh, And I thought their show did a really good job addressing it today. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not. I thought it was very heartfelt, very genuine. A lot of other shows addressed it throughout the day. I saw an article this morning. I guess it was posted four hours ago. So this afternoon. It's from Awful Announcing, which aggregates a lot of sports media stuff. And the headline is Ryan Rossillo, colon, sports hosts talking politics is, quote, self-serving and lazy. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to read. I got to read this. Well, it comes. These comments come from a podcast appearance he did on Colin Cowherd's podcast that came out right after the Super Bowl. And I started to watch it and I couldn't bring myself to finish it because I think he either had an issue with his mic or forgot to turn his mic on. So the audio and I'm not a snob. But like I didn't like I wasn't dying to listen to it anyway, so I stopped listening. Here's the quote from the podcast. That's the byline. Are you doing this because it's the right thing or are you doing this because it's an effing way? It's it's just effing way easier than doing this grinding and watching 20 hours of football in a weekend. And I (laughs) if I was writing Ryan Rosillo's satire, which I have quite literally done twice. I have twice written out like a satirical Simmons and Rosillo conversation and put it on Twitter. I've done it twice. If I was writing Ryan Rosillo's satire, I would not write that sentence because I'd think, oh my God, that's too on the nose for Rosillo. Like this is, this is just, it's it, this, man, this bangs so hard. Are you doing this because it's the right thing? Or are you doing this because it's way easier than doing this and then grinding and watching 20 hours of football in a weekend? That's the most Ryan Rosillo thing I have ever read or heard. I think that is so it's a little insensitive to the topic that's affecting a lot of people. And a lot of people are very passionate about uh, what happened to the shooting at the the championship parade yesterday. And it's just so on the nose for Rosillo to be like, I think people are doing it because it's easy. Like, it's way easier than grinding 20 hours of football and putting together good takes in an A block and a B block. Like, man, I did see, I saw Ryan Rosillo at the Super Bowl. And I I had, uh, I recorded a podcast with some friends earlier today and they wanted to hear about what Radio Row was like. And they're like, well, who did you talk to? And I'm like, okay, you know, Chris Sims and Florio and all all the media people. And I didn't do it to name drop. I'm just like, it's Radio Row. You see so many famous people, sports people. And they're like, who is a jerk? 
and gen genuinely nobody. I did not meet every everybody that I introduced myself to or asked to come on Bill's show or asked to come on my show or anyone who I had a question for or I went up to to say hello. Everyone was unbelievably nice. There was not one rude person that I interacted with last week. But I had to kind of give an answer. They're like, no, somebody had to be a jerk. The best, the closest thing I could come up to with an answer for who was rude at the Super Bowl <laughs> was Ryan. I saw I was right behind Ryan Rossillo in the TSA line. And Ryan Rossillo looked crabbier than every TSA person working security that day. Like he looked like the crabbiest, most ornery person. I mean, and I and I and I passed him in the TSA line. I was right behind him. I didn't engage with him, didn't interact with him, but I looked at him like he looks he 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 looked like if I were to go up to him and be like, hey Ryan, I love your podcast, he'd be like, Thanks, never heard that before. Like that's what I would have expected. That's what I would have expected the answer to be. And I'm sorry, I know this is a really niche thing to begin the show with, but this is like the topic of the day as everyone's reacting to what happened in Kansas City, that really sad uh, shooting and situation that is going to traumatize a lot of people for a long time. And Ryan Rosillo's take on it was are, are talking politics. Are you doing it because it's easier than watching 20 hours of football? Like there's just, I've never read a more Ryan Rosillo thing. I, I honestly can't believe that comment's real. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, that opening four or five minutes talking about a Ryan Rosillo quote. There's like five of you listening. They're like, oh, my God, Grant, that's so true. And the rest of you are like, okay, I'm humoring you by following along, but I don't care. Can you talk about the Brewers? Yes, we're going to. I want to talk about the Brewers. Pitchers and catchers reported. Was it yesterday? This is the official report of pitchers and catchers? I'm not entirely sure. Been seeing a little bit of Brewers content and baseball content throughout the week. So I want to start there. Andrew Wagner who's covered the Brewers, writes about the Brewers for Forbes. We haven't talked to him in a while. Andrew's just a really funny guy. He brings something different to the show. Uh, Kurt Hogue is polite and polished, and Andrew just mostly calls out everyone's BS and and, and cuts through the fandom, and it's just a totally different brand and take of Brewers analysis, which I, I love. I love all sorts of perspectives, so I want to talk with Andrew here in about a half hour. In hour number two, again, we're kicking our NFL discussion into the second hour of the show. I want to pick up where we left off yesterday, the idea of a luck quotient in the NFL postseason. And I also want to spitball and kick around ideas for what is the biggest story of this NFL offseason? Right now that we've passed the Super Bowl, what's the next biggest story? The easy answer is the Chicago Bears in the number one pick. I just have a really hard time saying that definitively because I, I just can't conceive of a world in which the number one season or the number one story this offseason involves the Chicago Bears and that's not like that's not slander on the Bears but you can only pick at the top of the draft so many times before everyone just stops caring it's like oh you have the top pick again we'll we'll start paying attention when you guys give us a reason to pay attention so I want to talk about maybe what the biggest story of the offseason is 608-321-1670 take some calls here in a few minutes you can always tweet me at any point not just during the show you can tweet me DM me anytime at Wisco Grant like I said, pitchers and catchers report this week. Lots of news stories, lots of scoops, lots of columns, just lots of baseball content from every baseball writer for every team in every corner of the country. And this is what baseball fandom is all about. It's about content and it's about making jokes on the Internet. This is why we do it. You know that and to watch 162 games a year and for the for the pop of the glove and the, the crack of the bat and the smell of, you know the parking lot and tailgate culture. Mostly that's a big part of it for Brewers fans, right? Can you imagine, by the way, being a fan of a team in the grapefruit league? That's just so backwards to me. I can't, it's almost like 
like different political parties. It's so weird to me. Like my spring training experience has always been Arizona. And I, I have to remind myself, and I work in sports, kind of, not really, but kind of. And I have to remind myself that, oh yeah, there's this whole other league in Florida where it's sticky and humid and Arizona, that's, that's natural. That's how God intended spring training baseball to be played. Can you, can you imagine being a fan of a great... It's so weird. Twins fans, you get it. I just can't put myself in the mindset of being a Grapefruit League fan. Really nothing to do with talking about the Brewers and really has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about next. I just wanted to mention that. I was thinking about that today. It's like, oh, yeah, some people go to Florida for spring training. It's just bizarre. The day today started with a little Sal Freelich buzz, some Sal Freelich chatter. Some self-relic murmurs, not in a Ken Rosenthal article, thank God. Ken Rosenthal writing about a Brewers player on the trade block. It's like the Grim Reaper showing up at your front door. This is a story this morning from Dennis Lynn with The Athletic, and it's about the future of the Padres. What comes next, right? Hassan Kim, Fernando Tatis Jr., they're looking to shed salary. They're looking to add here. They're looking to drop here. Just the future of the Padres, right? And what comes next this offseason for the Padres? And I guess the Padres are looking for outfielders. I will read you the excerpt of this story in which Sal Freelich's name is mentioned. Of course, we need our reading music to really uh, put together the vibe here. All right. This is from Dennis Lynn of The Athletic. About Fernando Tatis. We're going to pick it up mid-paragraph. Tatis has not ruled out future positional switches, but his range in right field could give the Padres some defensive margin for error as they continue to pursue outfield acquisitions. Remaining free agents include Michael A. Taylor and Adam Duvall, both of whom can play center field. Outfielders that have come up in the Padres' trade discussions this offseason include the Boston Red Sox' Jaron Duran and the Milwaukee Brewers' Sal Freelich, according to league sources. Both of these players are controllable, relatively young, and thus likely difficult to acquire, which I tip my cap to Bill Michaels when I brought this up on the show earlier today. He's like, well, Sal Freelich's young, got a lot of club control. That's going to be a hard deal to do. Exactly, Bill. You took the words right out of Dennis Lynn's mouth, the reporter that originally put this out at The Athletic earlier today. I texted a couple Brewers people earlier today. I was like, Sal Freelich? Because this just seems so wrong, right? We know, we recognize Brewers fans. We recognize they have a little bit of a logjam in the outfield, right? We understand Yelich, Churio at some point is going to be your everyday center fielder. And I don't, like, I don't think I'm going over my skis. I don't think I'm doing too much when I say Churio is going to be your everyday center fielder. If the Brewers didn't believe that, they wouldn't have paid him that money. You know what I mean? Like, they have plans of him being their everyday center fielder, or at least one of their everyday outfielder spots. I guess they could move guys around, but Churio is going to play every day before too long. They wouldn't have given him that money if not. So, between Yelich and Churio, there's two outfield spots. That leaves one remaining spot for Weimer, Mitchell, and Freelick. And I've talked about the last couple months, like, well, what if you trade one? What if you give up a little bit from an area of surplus? You can't play them all anyways. And I know it's easy to say, well, just DH so-and-so. Oh, okay. But you just paid, um, what's his name? I, I almost said, um, I almost said Omar Narvaez, not Omar Narvaez. Uh, Gary Sanchez, thank you. Backup catcher. William Contreras, those are two guys you're going to want to have those bats in the lineup more often than not. The DH spot gives you flexibility to basically always have Contreras in the lineup. Reese Hoskins, Jake Bowers, they have some redundancies at other positions. You're going to keep those bats in the lineup. You can't basically say, well, just DH Yelich. Well, here and there, yeah, but the DH spot is not a mechanism to have a fourth or a fifth outfielder get regular at bats. They have too many guys 
for three outfield spots. And I think the Brewers, we've talked about Brewers fans, well, maybe I'd trade Joey Weimer. He was a little disappointing last year. Now I've defended Joey Weimer because he wasn't supposed to play nearly with the frequency he did last year, but a little disappointing at the plate. Garrett Mitchell, can he stay healthy? Maybe you trade him. Nobody's lining up to say, you know, the one I would trade, I would trade Sal Freelich. He would be the final guy, but let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Sal Freelich, one of the least powerful hitters in the majors last year. His exit velocity is not very high. He doesn't drive the baseball a good amount. Not to say that he can't, but certainly doesn't drive the baseball like Weimer and doesn't drive the baseball like Mitchell. But if we're trading one of these guys, you also got to consider what you're getting back. I'm not saying Weimer has no value, and I'm not saying Garrett Mitchell has no value, but trade conversations start with Joey Weimer about the Brewers trying to say, well, he's turned this part of his his offensive, his swing has been fixed, his at-bat, his approach has been fixed, right? You're coming from a position of weakness if you're trying to sell a team on Joey Weimer after last year. Fair to Joey Weimer, it's the reality. You'd be coming from a position of weakness to try to trade Joey Weimer. Garrett Mitchell's been hurt a lot. Tore his shoulder last year. Now, he is diabetic, which is not like... It's not to say he can't be a good baseball player as a diabetic, but there are medical, like, there there are, there are, what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. There are medical hmm, points worth mentioning with diabetes. Like, could a, could a, could an injury to a player that would normally take a guy one day, you give him one day off. Well, with Garrett Mitchell, does that take three or four? Right, The recovery process might just take a little bit longer. He's been hurt. He's missed time. So you're coming from a position of weakness when trying to sell a team on Garrett Mitchell. Coming from a position of weakness when you're trying to sell a team on Joey Weimer. Sal Freelich, you're coming from a position of strength. You could really work a team. Sal Freelich's got a lot of control. Really good defender. Really good bat-to-ball skills. He doesn't really drive the ball. And I'm not saying that the Brewers should look to trade Sal Freelich, but if they were to... I guess I would understand it a little bit more than I than I could when I first saw this report. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. This is backwards. He would be the last additional outfielder I'd look to trade. Well, depending on what the Brewers could get in return, maybe that's why it makes sense to trade him because most valuable. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. We've gone from a, a weird spot here from last year with a Brewers lineup where nobody hits home runs to a Brewers lineup now where you expect plenty of guys to hit home runs. You added Reese Hoskins, you, 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 right? Jackson Churio got a hell. Oh God, his, his swing's so beautiful. So you have guys now in the lineup. You expect to bring a little bit more pop. Gary Sanchez, one of those guys as well. Like now this lineup looks very different. So I, this is just a very interesting situation. I thought I had the Brewers off season MO figured out a couple of weeks ago. And then they traded Corbin Burns and I reassessed. And, and now I'm, I'm pretty sure that I don't know anything. And spring training is beginning right now. So it's wild to think that any team at this point could make a big change. But then again, half of the good free agents are still out there. And this is part of the problem in Major League Baseball. They need to figure out a way to condense offseason transactions to the offseason. Like the NFL, a lot of free agency happens within a couple of days. NBA free agency happens within a couple of days. A lot of the free agents are signed within hours. And in baseball, it's the opposite. These guys stay on the market forever. So I, I don't know how Major League Baseball fixes that. I thought the Brewers were done making moves a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what Matt Arnold has up his sleeve. 
we can continue to talk about this. Let's take our three-minute break. Andrew Wagner going to join us here at the bottom of the hour at 4.35 or so. Looking forward to catching up with him and previewing spring training, previewing the 2024 Brewers. I also have some news and notes from around baseball, including a couple of Cubs stories today that I laughed my ass off at. I was just howling back in the studio during Bill's show, reading some things that were being written about Craig Council and the Cubs today. So we'll slander arrival as well. That's always fun. Three minutes, and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Andrew Wagner to join us in just a few Coming up after our 4.30 break, I miss Andrew. It would be nice to catch up, talk about some big storylines going into this Brewer season. And what I like about Andrew is that he cuts through a lot of the BS. You know, things that fans are saying or things that fans believe, he'll be like, no, this is, none of this matters. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the nuts and bolts of the situation. Andrew's a nuts and bolts type of guy, which is why I like him. Very different perspective than Kurt or JR or our friend David Gasper or many other of the Brewer's voices that join the show from time to time. So we're going to reconnect with him in about 10 minutes. Just began the show by mentioning a little Sal Freelick note, a little murmur, a little chatter from earlier today. Dennis Lynn in the athletic writing about the Padres saying they're looking at outfielders. And one of the names that was mentioned was Sal Freelick. Now that could mean that the Brewers and the Padres have had extensive talks. It could mean they mentioned it one time. It could mean the Padres called the Brewers and they were laughed off the phone. Who knows? But this mention of Sal Freelick in this little blurb kind of is is one small piece to a bigger Brewers conversation that we've had. They got too many outfielders. They can't play all these guys between Yelich, Churio, Freelick, Weimer, Mitchell. They can't play them all. Oh, what about the DH? Yeah, okay, sure. But that doesn't mean that you can have like six good outfielders. We, we got to get them all at bats. You can't. You, you can't. And maybe the Brewers are content to trade nobody and just hold on. They say, well, there'll be injuries. And, there'll be, and, and there will be injuries. There always are. Um, and, and maybe the Brewers don't get an offer they like for one of these guys. Bobby and Eau Claire, I appreciate the tweet, Bobby, at Wisco Grant. He says, we apparently haven't signed Sanchez yet. Yeah, but I'm, I am treating that as a foregone conclusion. If it turns out to not be a foregone conclusion, then I will backtrack. But at this moment in time, I'm treating that as a formality that will happen. He's, he also says, I'd give up Mitchell over Weimer and Freelick. I don't know, man. I like them all for very different reasons. Garrett Mitchell makes me think of Ryan Braun. And I think that impacts the way I view him as a player. Joey Weimer can hit bombs. There, there is a, there is a version of Joey Weimer. That's incredible. Great defensive outfielder and someone who gives you, you know, 25 to 30 home runs a year at his best and provides a lot of pop. And I, I really like that. I also really like the bat to ball skills that Sal Freelick has. He's also outstanding defensively. The defense is not an issue with any of these guys, right? So, I, like, you can almost set the defense aside. Just look at the offensive kits of these guys. They're all very different. Their player profiles are all very different. I think if you pulled most Brewers fans, they'd say Freelick is the one they would protect most. Stock is probably lowest on Weimer. We're probably the most wide open on Mitchell just because we don't know after he missed all of last season with that labrum, that shoulder injury. 608-321-1670. Let's take a call. Let's sneak one call in here. Talk some brewers before we eventually take this break and get to Andrew. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? 
Grant, good afternoon. Corey out of Marshall. Corey, hey, have you been uh, abroad? I, it's what I haven't heard from you. I've missed you. <clears throat> so this is the thing. Usually when I get in the vehicle and I'm driving home after work, it's typically during the kind of dead period before we get to, like, the callers. And that's not knocking the broom hand all your hand or anything. It's just a matter of misconnection. So that's kind of why. Gotcha. And then, like, once I'm home, you know, you're – making dinner you're working out and then i just never get a chance to call in but i have not been abroad unfortunately but you were in vegas i listen to you guys almost every hour out there when you guys are doing your bill show it looks pretty fun it's uh it's it's a mad dash all the time it's a little it's a little it's a little chaotic in a fun way though it was it was a very good time thanks for listening i appreciate that the wife and i were out there and i'll get to my point back in early december for our anniversary and we saw garth brooks and stuff and the stories you were telling it's quite amusing when you were talking about like the when Bill was talking about the F one, like all the structure was up still. Mm-hmm. They, they that was up back even in December, so like they really are not moving too fast on taking that down. I that. think it was up. My parents were there for the Packers Raiders game, which was in October, sure. and that mm-hmm. and the, the arrangements and things were being set up. So I don't know when the actual race was, but it's been quite a production. And I don't think the Vegas locals. Really appreciated because no, because the strip got shut cranky. down and and yeah. I, I, there was something about the money. A lot of the money didn't actually go. You know, tax breakdowns and no, know, it is classic yeah. stuff. Anyway, that we so, can add at, yeah. So to your actual uh, discussion point here, so you know, you mentioned this like back at about a month or two ago about how the Brewers you just kind of look at them as like our hobby farm team, and hmm. if they would get, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but like this was kind of like when they were. You know, when we looked at, like, the Dodgers and they're spending a half billion dollars on players, it feels like the Brewers are just like the hobby farm team where it's like, it's nice. You know, if if they do something every once in a while, that'll be fun. But, like, you don't really have too high expectations. Packers, you had expectations, et cetera, et cetera, the Bucks. Yeah. If they would get rid of, like, Freelick, and I'm not saying that they are, I'm not saying you're proposing a trade, but, like, that would feel like the purgatory kind of team-type move where they're just trying to keep everybody kind of in the seats and keep people interested when in reality you have to really treat this team or what they should be doing. And maybe your guests upcoming will be completely like, I can't believe somebody would say this, but like you got to look at this, like how the Royals did it or like how the Orioles did it. And you actually keep these young guys and bring them through together. Like they did with Ricky weeks and Brawny and and fielder and what have you. Mm -hmm. Bill Hall. I would be, yeah, Bill Hall mother's day, Mother's Day hero. I, so I'd be real reticent to, like, say, okay, get rid of your depth because you have depth until you don't. It's kind of like True. an old man term. But, like, I'm curious to see what these younger guys can do. And even if they only win 80 games this year, I'm okay with that. I would actually prefer that they would, like, when we get to the trade deadline, if they flip Reese Hoskins, hopefully he does have an awesome first half of the year and they can get some more talent back for him like him coming up at torn acl if he can like make it happen the first half of the year i'd be real happy about that because i mean let's be real it'll be exciting to watch him play this year but i would be fairly shocked if they're like anything other than like a fringe wild card contender type team um and i'm not trying to be the grim reaper here i'm just kind of like these are just kind of like top of my thoughts um but yeah it's awesome that they're you know spring training starting again what have you but I would hope they'll just let this kind of play out and say, okay, let's see what we got here with like this group of 
you know, they've got the, one of the best farm systems in the majors. Let's see what these guys can do as they get brought up. And I think Weimer with more some more conditioning down in AAA, get some of those kinks out of the swing like Bill mentioned today. I think he'll be an offensive force for this team. So that's my two cents on that. All right. I think you're before I let you go. I I think you're I think you should be a little bit more optimistic. Fringe wild card team, man. I they won yeah. the division going away last year. They lost Burns, but they added a huge stick in Reese Hoskins. I, I I don't know. I'd be a little bit more. I'm not telling you how to fan. I would never. But don't be afraid to get a little excited. I think this team's a little bit oh. better than you're saying. I'm always excited, Grant, because okay. once baseball season's here, it means warm weather, and we're out in you know. Everything's happening. It's summertime. Going up north. Summertime, living, and the living's easy. You got DMB coming to the Alpine Valley, all that good stuff. <laughs> no problem with that at all. So it's Baseball it's season means Dave Matthews band season. Is that what you're telling me? It means 4th of July. It means rest RIP Jimmy Buffett at the time. All the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it Memorial, means all things. Memorial Day and Labor Day this year are going to hit. Those are big Jimmy Buffett weekends for me. Listening I feel to your shows. pain. Yeah. Gonna suck. We used to go see Tom Petty all the time down at Summerfest, and thankfully we got to see his last concert before he passed, RIP. And that was always like one of our pinnacle things to do was going down there and seeing him. And it was like the last one we saw was Chris Stapleton open for him, and it was like beautiful, hot, because you never know what you get on those lakefront nights in July, but it was like 85 and humid. Like it would be down at Grapefruit League. I saw it. I, I'll let you get going here, but like, Last year, my wife and I were down there on vacation in Jupiter because mm-hmm. her father-in-law stays down there for like a couple months this time of year. And we were doing a bike ride, whatever happened past where the Cardinal Spring Training Complex is. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it's pretty beautiful down there that time of year. It might be a little warm, what have you, but I've been out in Arizona, and it's like that dry and kind of like feels Yeah, it's a, a bit, heat, like, but it's cold. a dry heat, Corey. That's why it's great. Yeah, but it depends on when you hit it. It could be rain. It's just a little bit too variable for me, but I understand okay. what you're saying. Okay. It just feels different. So that's all right. I'll try to be more optimistic. I'll take your advice <laughs> and uh, see what happens. Appreciate you, Corey. You nice to hear easy. from you. You have a good night, okay? Yeah, take her easy. You too. Corey Bye. in Marshall. I'd be a little bit more optimistic than fringe wildcard team. And look, I want to see all these young guys play too. I want to see what Churio has and Freelick, Weimer, Terang in year two, Garrett Mitchell back and healthy. L- let's not act now. Y- you know, there's always going to be injuries. There's always going to be opportunities. But it's not like, Corey, you said there's depth until there isn't. It's not like they're thinking of trading their fourth outfielder. They got six of them. Okay, that, that's like, and look, if five of their outfielders get hurt after they trade their sixth, then I guess I'll, I'm wrong, right? But it's not like they're trading their fourth outfielder. They'd be trading their sixth. So I, 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 I would be... I wouldn't be worried about running out of depth if they were to trade one guy. So I guess I'm I'm doing a little bit too much of telling Corey how to fan. I don't like this. So let's take our break. Andrew Wagner from Forbes covers the Brewers. Can't wait to reconnect with Andrew and see what's new with him. He'll join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show going to get into the NFL hour number two. That's kind of the theme this week. It's like, Hey, the first hour we'll talk about what's what's in the news, what's trending. And then the second hour, we just continue to talk about the Super Bowl and maybe the Packers, the NFL playoffs, you know, whatever football things come to mind, get back into taking your calls here in just a little bit as well. Andrew Wagner 
He's covered the Brewers long time. Writes for Forbes. And Andrew, the way that I hyped you up and the way the reason that I appreciate you coming on is, you know, us Brewers fans, fan is short for fanatic in the end. We have a tendency when discussing some of these things to get sucked into kind of stupid fan ways of thinking and believing, which is great. But you're the only Brewers guest I have that will come on the air and be like, you guys are stupid for thinking this or that. And I and I need that. I appreciate that from you, Andrew. I I, I try to do what I can to, you know, better the universe in my own small way. <laughs> Even if it means calling us idiots and telling me that I'm dumb for thinking one thing or another. It's a, it's a small sacrifice that you make having to call me a dope sometimes, but you're willing to make it. I appreciate that. That's what I'm here for. So I just talked to a caller before this break, and we're kind of getting ready now. We're getting in the mindset of this Brewer season, and we're trying to set expectations. Should we expect anything other than competing for the division, being right there the same place they've been the last couple of years? Like, we don't have any concrete reason to think this team takes a big step back this year, right? I don't think you have. No, I don't think there's a reason to take a, a, a giant step back. I mean, obviously, losing Corbin Burns is not going to be terrific. Um, but they have had a pretty good track record of, of developing, developing developing pitchers over the last couple of years. Um, are we saying that Aaron Ashby or any of these guys is going to be an ex Corbin Burns? Absolutely not. No one's saying that, but you know, they've got, they've got the ability to, to create good pitching. Um, and when you look at the rest of the division, it, it, you know, it, no one really stands out as far as I know. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are reasonable expectations. I think those are good expectations to have. I mean, you'd like to be able to say and go in that it, it's World Series or bust, but listen, there's very few teams that can say that. Yeah, and most of those teams are Los Angeles, are New York, are you know, even the Astros. Um, you know, maybe three or four teams can legitimately say that. Uh, and I think for where the Brewers are and what the Brewers are, I think. It's a very good starting point in terms of goals. Well, and expectations, excuse me. Well, yeah, same thing, basically. Goals for the Brewers, expectations for us. I, most no, of those. I, you know, but, you know I, I don't think, I, see, that, that's where the, mm-hmm. the, the issue usually comes in. It, it, people talk about goals and, and expectations as they're interchangeable. Um, you know, I always like to, to use the line in dating. You've got your goals up here and your standards down here. You try to work <laughs> in the middle. Um, you know, there's no the Brewers aren't walking into to Maryvale Baseball Park today saying our goal this season is to win the division. No, their goal is to win the World Series. Um, the expectation is the baseline. You know, anything short of the expectation is a disappointment. So yeah, I, I think the expectation to go in and compete for the Central Division title and get into the playoffs and you know continue the momentum of the last couple seasons that is a valid expectation. Does that mean that's the goal? Absolutely not. Their goal going in there, I guarantee today, everyone's talking about, we are going to go to the World Series. That is our goal. We want to win the division. We want to win the pennant. We want to win the World Series. And, and there is a difference between goals and expectations. They are not interchangeable. Words matter. I appreciate you clarifying that, Andrew. Uh, the Corbin Burns trade. I thought we were out of the woods. I thought we got to the point of the offseason where it's like, all right, they probably listened to some offers, didn't get one that they liked enough, and then all of a sudden they traded him. I'm like, okay, they got an offer they must have liked. And then the offer, I, I'm not going to say it was underwhelming, but I, I don't know. Help me make sense of the Burns trade, the thought process behind it, and, and do you think the compensation was in the ballpark, pardon the pun, of, of what you would have expected for a Corbin Burns trade at this point of his Brewers career? I, I think people maybe had unrealistic expectations 
when it came to trading Corbin Burns because, listen, the Orioles know as much as anybody else that he's going to go free agent uh, next season, no matter what. And Scott Boris is his agent. He does not like his guys to re-up. Um, so they know that they're looking at a potential rental, a potential very expensive rental. Um, so, no. You know, people were thinking that they were going to get four or five players out of there, and I, I'm not sure why you think that, uh, especially when you look at the price of pitching out there right now. Um, his numbers did slip a bit, a little bit from from you know year before, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't much. But this is what it comes down to. You got to remember that when these these trade negotiations are going on, you've got one person on the phone trying to extract as much as humanly possible and someone on the other end of the line trying to give up as little as possible. Uh, and sometimes you meet in the middle. And I know people are saying, well, this isn't, this isn't a very good deal. They only got two players back. Well, you know, other teams could have been including four players, none of which were, you know, things that players that interested the Brewers brass. Sure. Obviously, they thought this was the best deal that was available. And when they looked at it, you know, compared to the, the offers that they were getting, well, they don't think they're going to get better offers at the trade deadline for a guy for two months worth of work. This is the time to do it. Let's make the deal. The players that they wanted were made available. They got them. They made the move. There you go. D.L. Hall, Aaron Ashby, Robert Gasser, if you had to attach your cart to one of those horses and bet on on one of those three to take a step this year and really be a nice piece in the Brewers rotation. Do you have a, do you have a better feel for one of those guys? One of those three? I mean, you'd like to say Aaron Ashby, but that all yeah. depends on how he, how he does coming back from the surgery. What, what we saw of Aaron Ashby uh, was very similar to what we've seen from a lot of the, the young Brewers pitchers that have come up. You know what? He came up, he had some success. Then he got knocked around a little bit. Um, and then unfortunately he got hurt before he could really, you know, come and make that move forward. Uh, Aaron Ashby is, is an incredibly talented pitcher. Yes, um, He has got an awful lot of good tools to work with. He's got a good pitch arsenal, um, and he's got a great coaching staff behind him. Everything that we've heard about Robert Gasser in the minor leagues last year, the guy, I mean, he's just a pitcher. I mean, that guy can that guy can sling it. Um, so, you know, you got to think he's going to make a, a step forward. And Steele Hall, you know, I haven't seen – that much of him obviously i've just been reading about him and seen a little bit of video but he looks like he's got all the pieces in place and maybe that that you know apparatus the brewers have in place that that builds pitching will help unlock something that allows him to take that next step so i think all three of those guys you know have the ability to take impressive steps forward again are they going to turn into corbin burns cy young award you know contenders probably not but they could Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but that option, that ability is there just based on the Brewers' recent track record alone. I mean, look at look at the pitching the Brewers have developed the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've been around this organization, you know, all these people that claim to be lifelong fans, remember the biggest knock on the Brewers for years and years and years was the inability to develop pitching. They couldn't draft it. They couldn't trade for it. They couldn't groom it. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything with it, which is why you had to go out and spend $50 million on a guy like Matt Garza, which is why you had to go out and spend $35 million on a guy like Kyle Lowe. This is why you had to go out and spend $40 million on a guy like Jeff Supon. And the list goes on. 
you know, the Brewers cannot afford, and I don't, I know that everyone's going to start calling in now and start bitching and moaning about Mark got not. The Brewers cannot afford to go out and buy free agent pitching. Period. End of story. You look at what guys are getting this year. It does not make financial sense for the Brewers to go out and do that. Because you could pay for a guy for one good year, mm-hmm. and then you're stuck paying for four more crap years. Yeah. And that's just how it works. Yeah. So the fact that they've been able to develop Josh Hader, they've been able to develop Devin Williams, they, they, they were able to develop Woodruff and Burns and Peralta. I mean, the fact that they can scout these guys, and, and develop, it's just, that's the ticket. That, that's how they're going to keep winning. So you've got to think, okay, if they want these, these young pitchers and are willing to part with a guy like Burns, there's something they see in them that, that, that they can work with. I mean, look at 2019. People were ticked off that the Brewers didn't go out and sign a big-name gun, and they decided to go with, with the three kids. Now, granted, it didn't work out the way that they had hoped. Corbin Burns melted down, basically. But the move paid off in the long run. Mm-hmm. They, they trusted the process. They trusted the system. And I guess for a, for a team like the Brewers with an economic structure like the Brewers structure, if you could have one, right, I'd rather be able to develop the pitching and then supplement with – free agent ads and offense when I can, because you can find Yasmani Grandal who's looking to park it for a year in a prove it deal or uh, a Reese Hoskins. It's a lot harder. Like Blake Snell is not going to have to settle for a one-year deal. Pitchers like that don't settle. It's a lot easier to find supplemental free agents offensively than it is arms, right? Like I would rather the Brewers take care of that at home. Okay. Absolutely. And that's absolutely where it comes down to. And I think that was, that was basically the philosophy of David Stearns when he came in and, and, and kind of set things in motion. And this is no knock on Doug Melvin. I mean, Doug and I go way back. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I have the utmost respect for him. <clears throat> but baseball has become a different sport over the last 10 years. And I'm not talking money ball. I'm not talking analytics. It's just financially, economically, everything about it, the focus on it is different. Um, if you're not developing pitching, there is no way, no way, period, you can compete as a small market, medium market, challenge, whatever you want to describe it. If you cannot develop pitching, you are screwed. And I think that's – if you look at the, the, the flurry of deals that Stearns made that first offseason where you, where you turned over like 35 players on the 40-man roster, yep. every single trade that he made in those first year, two years at the helm included pitchers, every single one. And a lot of them were 17, 18, 19-year-old guys that nobody ever heard of, including a guy named Freddie Peralta. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. That's how you're going to do it. You're going to have to get as many young arms in here as possible. You're going to have to get the right coaches, the right guys, the right gurus, the right staff, the right analytics, and you build your pitching staff. And everything else falls into place around there. Now, yes, obviously people would like them to go out and spend more money and more money, but that was the second half. Uh, of Stern's kind of blueprint is you could spend money, but you got to spend it wisely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people are mad that the Brewers aren't cutting this guy or that guy. Same thing with pitchers. You know, the Brewers would love to be able to go out and sign guys like they did Yasmani Grandel or Mike Moustakis or, or, or even Reese Hoskins, you know, on those one or two year deals. They'd have no problem doing that. Yeah. We'll give you 25. Absolutely. But why would you as a player, take a two-year deal when someone else is offering you a four-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. And the brewers know that there's no economic value 
to spending money, especially on these older free agents, that there's no guarantee they're going to produce one or two years into the contract. I mean, they've seen it so many times. And they're, they're making offers left and right. I've talked to agents. The Brewers, come, they make a play for just about every big-time free agent out there, but those guys are looking for longer-term deals. And it just doesn't, it doesn't behoove a franchise with the resources the Brewers have to lock in to those four, five, six, seven-year deals. Lastly, Andrew, I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills a little bit today. I'm, I'm reading all this Cubs content because I'm, I'm a holistic sports fan. I need to pay attention to the rivals, and, and there's obviously all this Craig Council stuff. I, I got to read. I, when did I, did I die and wake up in an alternate universe? I'm reading Bruce Levine, Levine today at the score. During his career in Milwaukee, winning was anticipated but not always expected. That dynamic will shift in Chicago, where Council will be expected to lead his club to deep playoff appearances each season. Am I? This is what's going to bother me this year, is now the last five years of Brewers baseball is going to be revised. All this history is going to change, and now we live in a fantasy world where the narrative around Council and this division and these teams has completely changed. And it's going to drive me nuts, Andrew. That's the joys of being a sports fan, Grant. The joys? Damn it. Sure. I mean... I do think I do think the expectations are different on Craig because he doesn't have this is the thing, you know, he's seen as a genius and he's hailed a hero here. And I'm trying to be cautious and not talk smack because the guy just lost his mother and I you know, I, I respect that. But of course. listen, the guy got something of a free pass from pretty much most of Brewers Nation. You know, he's a boy genius when things work out. And then, you know, the playoffs come around and, well, you know, the front office didn't give him money. And he Had he not been from Milwaukee, this guy's head would have been rolled out on a platter after 2019. I mean, it's, it, it, it's absurd how much credit he got and how much blame he, he avoided. But now he's going to be in a place where he's not the hometown hero. He's going to be a place where there's unlimited money. He's going to be a place where, fair or not, you know, people are expecting the Cubs to be a World Series team, even though on paper I, I don't think they have it. But he's got that expectation now, and he can't hide behind limited resources. He can't hide behind being a hometown hero, and he can't hide behind economic structure. I mean, he can still complain at the front office, and, but he's got to put up or shut up now. We're not going to see just how much of a genius Craig Council really is. Yeah, I wish nothing but the worst for his team moving forward. Obviously, rest in peace to his mother and, you know, thoughts with his family at this time. But on the field, I I just wish him absolutely nothing but the worst. And same with the Cubs. Andrew, this was a treat and a privilege. Uh, can we expect any any writing, any coverage? Are you going to be down at spring training at all? I'm, I'm sure we'll loop back and, and talk soon. But can we expect anything from you? I'm not sure about spring training. There will be some there'll be some Brewers coverage coming out in the next couple of weeks now that I'm coming back and getting back into the writing rhythm again. So I appreciate it. Well if you're down in Arizona, we can sit shirtless by a pool together and hang out. That would be nice. I'd like that. Sounds delightful. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate you. Nice to talk. Yeah. Andrew Wagner, Forbes. Find him on Twitter at by Andrew Wagner. God, that was good counsel stuff. I might clip that, post it on Twitter. Let's take a three minute break. Wrap up hour number one of the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, we appreciate the heck out of Andrew Wagner. He cuts through the BS. 
It's his style. Read his stuff at Forbes. He's on Twitter by Andrew Wagner. Matt is in Cross Plains. Matt's on Twitter, although off the top of my head, Matt, I uh, cannot remember your handle, so I'm sorry. Welcome to the show. How are you, Matt? That's right. No problem. Uh, it's Big Bucky 29 for my uh, <laughs> ties with the University of Wisconsin Madison as I graduated in, uh, you know, a long time ago. 1929? Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, well, 2000. It took me, you know, four and a half years to graduate. So oh, boy. It was okay. But anyway, a yeah, great conversation with Wags there. I heard a little bit on the end there, and I'm very, very upset that you're uh, already wishing horrible things for the Cubs and Craig Council. I mean, spring, you know, spring, you know, eternal well, hope in spring. Well, Cubs, right? Cubs, yeah, writer, no. Cubs writers and people want to talk about their team like they're the St. Louis Cardinals, like it's been this organization that it's expected excellence forever, and now Council's in an org like that and not the Brewers, and it's just fiction. It's not real. It's not true. Oh. Indeed, I don't know why they play that way, and it's just like all the Cubs fans who are, you know, like, oh, they they brought him in because, uh, you know, he he works well with you know players who aren't expected to win, and, and they're using that as an excuse as to why they haven't signed Bellinger, Chapman, Snell, any of these guys they've been talking about, and it's been kind of frustrating as a non-fanatic Cubs fan. You know, I'm I'm kind of smart and I kind of follow the team pretty pretty well, but there's a lot of people jumping off cliffs already, and. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. You can't you can't jump off a cliff before uh, the first Cactus League game, Grant. That's awesome. Do you think you will get Bellinger or Snell? Those two players specifically? I, Either one. I I think I think Bellinger is a lock. Uh, I Ooh. think we're done with pitchers. I think we're done with pitchers. Um, maybe one other reliever, possibly. And I had to look at uh, MLB.com today, and I almost threw up in my mouth a little seeing Josh Hader smiling ear to ear with his Astros uh, jersey. That's pretty pretty horrible. Pretty horrible. What's but, wrong with uh, that? I, I figured we'd get it. Oh, because I thought he'd be on the Cubs. Greg. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Back okay. in the Craig Council. But apparently not in the cards. And so we got Hector Neris, who, you know, is decent, but still not as good as uh, Hater. Good anyway, outgetter. Him yeah. and Council get along. Yeah. We got about uh, 20 yeah. seconds. Anything else you want to say before I let you go? Not not really. I'm sure it's going to be a, a race between the Cubs and Brewers this year. Pat Murphy is going to do some good things, and uh, it'll be an interesting season. As long as, you know, you don't trade Willie Adamas, you know, oh, don't God. trade him. I think you're right, and I'll continue this next, but I, I have to go, like, right now, Matt. Nice to hear from yep, you. Have a good one. You good as one. well. Hour 2 Wisco Sports Show next. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown, it's caught. Hartman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I want to talk football. Build on some of the conversations we started yesterday in the second hour of the show. I like this idea of a luck quotient. I think you only get so much. You only get so much good luck over the course of an NFL playoff run. So if you need to win three or four games, you better win one or two of those games free and clear of any bouncing ball luck, penalty luck, coin flip luck. Like one of the games needs to be a blowout. You, you need one or two of the games over the course of a playoff run to not use up any luck. Because in the close games, you need all the luck. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Niners. I think the Niners got a lot of luck against the Packers and the Lions. I think the Chiefs didn't need as much luck to get through the AFC. They did a little bit. But I think the Niners used a lot more of their luck in the games previous to the Super Bowl than the Chiefs did. 
And I honestly think that played a role in the Super Bowl, the way that it shaked out. So I want to talk about that. I also want to kick around options and possibilities for what the biggest NFL story of this offseason will be. I just really struggle to think that it's the Bears and the number one pick. It's like, really? The Bears, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams? That's, gonna, that's what's moving the meter? That's what's taking up the A block of every sports show all offseason long? I have a hard time believing that. Hard time seeing it. Uh, I want to take some calls before we get to football talk. And I also want to build on what I brought up with Andrew at the very end of our conversation in that I think that I died and I woke up in an alternate reality where the Cubs and Brewers are perceived way differently than my past lifetime. Everything in the last couple of years, that was all fake. I, that, that was all a dream. I've, I've woken up, I busted out of the simulation and now I, everything must've changed because some of the things I'm reading about the Brewers, the Cubs, Craig council, I, I don't know where the stuff came from. I don't know where we got some of this stuff, but I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So I'm going to share some of these quotes from, I did a lot of baseball reading today and half the stuff I'm reading, I'm like, what the hell, what the hell is this? Okay. And I'll share with you some of the excerpts that I saved today when doing some baseball research, mostly during Bill's show. Don't tell Bill. I listen pretty well during Bill's show, but there are times where he's talking about something and I'm reading about this, that, or the other thing. And then Bill will be like, Grant, do you agree? Be like, shoot, yes, I, yes, good, good, yes, Bill, I, I agree. I wasn't distracted. I, I hear every word sitting back, sitting back here in the studio. 608-321-1670. Let's take a call. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Grant, I got the baseball fever. Cone, you got you, you got spring training fever, Cactus League fever. Cactus League fever is coming to my hometown. I'm ready. I, last year, I saw Christian Yelich. We'll see who I run into again this year. That's Obviously, right. I, my wish him good luck didn't really work out, but maybe I can say that to Craig Council and he'll totally suck too. <laughs> if you, okay, if you were, where did you bump into Yelich last year? Now, this is all coming back to me. Was it Trader Joe's? I was at a Safeway uh, grocery store okay. right outside the Biltmore. If you were to bump into Craig Council in that same scenario this offseason, nobody's around, could not be easier for you as a Brewers fan to say a little something to him. What would you say? Would you say anything? What would it be? I don't know, honestly. That's a tough position because I kind of froze when I saw Christian Yellen. So He's thinking about Craig Council now. I, I mean, the heart in me wants to tell him, like, hey, Craig, screw you. You suck. You broke my heart. Oh, it was it was tough for the first week when you got announced you're going to Cubs. Yeah, it's going to be tough the next ten years of my life. Yeah, have some perspective. That's what I would want to say. But in reality, I'd just probably shake his hand and be like, "Hey, Craig, I'm a big Brewers fan. How you doing?" I'd be like, "Yeah, big Brewers fan. Excited for the season." I I, I would let his mind. I I would want him to go home wondering. I wonder what that guy really was thinking. I wonder what that guy. He probably wouldn't though. He's now a very very rich man. He's 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 right down the road from home. He's only got a 90, 90 to 120 minute commute to and from work every day. He's got it made. What could he possibly worry about when when Brewers fans confront him in the grocery store? Hey, man, grocery stores are a scary place. They are. I hate going to the grocery store. It's my least favorite Especially place the in the world. Pick and save don't give me started. imagine meeting Craig in that grocery store. Craig, I, Craig, Craig would have a lot of other things to be afraid of before me at the Lion Street pick and save. There's there's a lot. I'm I'm scared. And it's not like I stabbed my hometown team in the back. And I'm scared when I go into that pick and save. What do we think of these spring training jerseys? I think they suck. I think they look awful. And I'm glad that players have even been like, these are terrible. They look cheap. They look fake. Like I've ordered fake Chinese jerseys that look better than these things. 
Yeah, honestly, I saw one, I forgot which brewer, but I saw a brewer's one and it like, there was creases and the numbers, like it was folded all weird. I'm like, How, what, what's going on? Someone's making money off of this somehow. Do you, I wonder, I've, I've never thought about this. Should each team have like a very unique spring training jersey? Because they, historically, they just wear the same ones, right? Maybe it's a little bit more relaxed. Maybe they're a little bit less formal looking. But what if they just blew up, they blew out the design. They did something brand new for spring training. Then they could sell a brand new jersey. I'd be down for that. Like how different, I mean, they do the hats already. I don't know if I the guess. players actually wear them, but I know they do them for the fans at least. I mean, how different are we talking? Are we just saying like, just throw anything at the wall, see what sticks like, or is it going to be like a slight difference between the the existing colors and logo? You know what I think? This is a Jersey. This is a Jersey take that I feel very strongly about. I think because every team does like a city edition or like a earned edition, whatever. I think that every year each team should sit down and the players should get to pick a Jersey from a, a past era. Like, it doesn't matter. Go through all of the jerseys that have ever been used in Milwaukee Bucks history or Milwaukee Brewers jersey, and they can point and say, that one, we want to bring that one back for, like, a few select games this year. I think that would be cool. I do like that. And, you know, the Badgers kind of do something similar now with their mm-hmm. seniors kind of get to design a jersey. And they, they do reference a lot of the old school Wisconsin jerseys. Not that they've ever had any swag, but, you know, it's still kind of cool. <laughs> do you, you ever go back and watch 2014-15 Badgers highlights, basketball highlights, and you're like, man, this is not a good era for jerseys. They're pretty ugly. Those those ones, those March Madness ones that looked like swimsuits. It's just like, what's going on? They had the, I mean, the, the three stripe that only went around one of the thighs. Remember that? Yeah, and then that that like waistband that was a different color. That oh, was yeah. just bizarre. I mean, who were they high or something? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. My favorite is the the video of Frank Kaminsky dancing to um. What was it, Flow Rider at the time? Time of my life. Oh. Time of my life. Time of, those videos. I know my rent was about to be paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one, that one. Yeah, when Frank Kaminsky's like, he's not a good, he's very awkward looking, but that's that's part of the charm. Damn it. That's lore. That's lore, absolutely. Yeah, and that's team history. Anyways, well, we, we've talked basically, we've talked Brewer Spring Training, we talked Badger Hoops. Anything else you want to cover before I let you go? Um, nothing. I, I know the last call or there's a caller that was complaining about the Arizona weather, how it can be like spotty. Yeah. I, I don't know what the heck he's talking about. It's pretty much the same day every single day. Um, and loved Andrew Wagner. Glad he's going to be writing again for this team. You know, he's, he's got such a persona around him of kind of a curmudgeonly old man, but yeah. it, it comes through in his writing and I like it. I like I really Andrew do. a lot. He's, he's an interesting flavor. Uh, with all the different Brewers voices, I think it's it's a pretty diverse group of perspectives and, and personalities, which which I really like. And am I the only one, by the way, that completely forgets the Grapefruit League exists? I got a Twins fan on Twitter giving me guff. I just I completely forget that they also play spring training games in Florida. Yeah, that's lame. I mean, champions are born in the Cactus League. <laughs> okay, that's the. Thank you. That's I needed that uh, response from you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cohen. Have a great night. Yeah, you too, Grant. Have a good one. Cone Roller. We appreciate you, Cone. Cone's always... the a, a compliment from Cone towards Andrew Wagner is is impactful. That's heavy because normally he's always in Andrew's mentions giving him crap. So to hear that from Cone, uh, LaCroix Butler is the same way. It's those two that are always going after Andrew on Twitter. And I actually respect it because there's a lot of people on Twitter that would block Cone Roller very quickly. And the the personalities and the people that actually take the time to fight back and forth with those trolls... I respect it. I tip my cap. I don't block unless you're just absolutely miserable. I've blocked a couple people. Um, 
but I'm not like there's some people there's sports personalities that were like really brag about how many people they block and mute like man if you're in the trenches on Twitter then you got to be in the trenches you can't just block everyone and anyone that ever criticizes a take that you have or ever says that you suck like if someone on Twitter tells you you suck take a moment to think about why that person tells you that you suck like do I suck maybe I do suck in this instance you can't just block everyone that disagrees with you or trolls. Trolling is funny. You can't just block all the trolls. Trolls is that's what makes Twitter great. Just one man's opinion. I'm on Twitter, by the way, at Wisco Grant. If you want to get involved with the show, 608-321-1670. I think I'm taking crazy pills about the Cubs. And Andrew tells me, well, that's what's great about being a sports fan. I'm not sure. Okay, so I go on Twitter and I click a link this morning from 670 The Score. Big station down in Chicago. I like Parkins and Spiegel a lot. I don't really listen the rest of the day, but I, I Danny Parkins is very good. He's one of the best in this business. And the article is titled, Craig Council, ready for new challenge. <laughs> new, challenge. new challenge leading Cubs. And I laugh at the phrase new challenge only because like Brewers Twitter has embraced that as you can't give Brewers Twitter anything because they latch on to any phrase or any buzzword and, and then it's just tainted and it's ruined. So Craig Council... It is it is press conference, introductory press conference with the Cubs. He's like, I was looking for a new challenge. It's like, oh, you were sick of the challenge of losing in the wild card round. Okay, got it. Just making sure. I want to read you an excerpt from this article. It's from Bruce Levine. Bruce Levine, not 100% sure. Bruce, respect your work. Sorry if I'm, I, I'm mispronouncing your name. I apologize. It's not intentional. I want to read you this excerpt. Naturally, I'm going to play some reading music. It really completes the vibe here. All right. Mesa, Arizona, hyphen. With a move from Milwaukee behind him, Craig Council is anxious to put his stamp on the Cubs in his first season as the team's manager. During his career in Milwaukee, winning was anticipated, but not always expected. That dynamic will shift in Chicago, where Council will be expected to lead his club to deep playoff appearances each season. So, this is why I ask, have I been dead for the last five or six years, did I just wake up to a new reality? Have I been asleep? Have I been taking a super slumber? Like one of my favorite shows, What We Do in the Shadows, when Nandor the Relentless says, I need a super slumber. Have I, have I been knocked out? Have I been on drugs for years? Have I, have I completely missed and, and, and not accurately represented the, Na- the National League Central the last couple of years? If we just go from, and I'm not trying to cherry pick, If we just go from, let's say, the year, honestly, let's do this. Let's go to the year 2016. That's when the Cubs won the World Series, okay? The Cubs won in 2016-2017. The Brewers won in 2018-2020-2023. The Cubs won the division in 2020, but that was a pandemic year, so I don't, like, you can count it. Even if you count the pandemic year, the Brewers and the Cubs have the same amount of division titles, since they've both opened their window of contention. Oh, great, you're cherry-picking starting in 2016. Not really, no. Before 2016, the division champs going backwards were the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Reds, the Brewers, the Reds, the Cardinals. In what world is there this prestigious expectation of excellence in Chicago that does not exist in Milwaukee? I'm not sitting here trying to say that the Milwaukee Brewers our World Series are bust every year, and they're a, 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 a team with rich history of competing at a high level and winning championships. No, no, no. I'm not looking to misrepresent my team here. I know what my team is. They're mostly a joke. 
okay? But I will not have Cubs fans turn around and tell me that their team is also not a joke. And again, I know they won a World Series in 2016. But that, and, and, I, and I don't take away the credit for that World Series in 2016. But over the course of their history and over the course of my team's history, at least in our lifetime, they have been the same. The difference is within the Cubs run of of success, they won a championship. My Brewers did not. But the expectation year in and year out for the Cubs and the Brewers my whole lifetime has been mostly the same. Let's try not to be a joke. And if we get hot for a year or two, let's see if we can do any damage. Now, the Cubs did damage in 2016. But again, big picture, the idea, well, in Milwaukee, you know, success was anticipated but not expected. First of all, what the hell does that even mean? This season, well, I, I, exp- I, I think the Brewers will win, but damn, I'm not going to expect it. What, what does, what does that even, what, what, what does that even mean? That doesn't even make any sense. Success was anticipated, but never expected. What the hell kind of word salad is that? Now in Chicago, the expectation will be deep postseason runs every year. When was the last time they made a deep postseason run? The year that Donald Trump was elected president? 2016 is no longer two years ago. I know we all walk around thinking that 2016 was like uh, like 18 months ago because it still feels like that. 2016 is eight years ago. That's a long time I just, I, 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 again, we're going to revise history and we're going to rewrite history and expectations and narratives around the NL Central and the Cubs and the Brewers, and it's going to be a load of crap. I just don't get it. We're throwing out reasonable, rational takes and analysis for this, this fan fiction story of how the Cubs are, are starting this rebuild, and it all starts with excellence at the manager position. And Andrew Wagner, you know, I don't know that I agreed with everything he said at the end of our conversation, but saying Craig Council got by on being the hometown hero. And the whiz kid, because he's brilliant when things work out and when things don't work out, well, the organization didn't do enough. This is, a, this is another story. I read this from Bob Nightingale today. And I will be respectful where respect is due because Craig Council just lost his mom. And that's a brutal thing for family I have to go to. A lot of love, a lot of respect, a lot of prayers to the Council family because that's real life. That's not sports. But I'm reading this story from Bob Nightingale today in which he's talking about Craig Council making a move to Chicago. I'm going to read this. I don't understand how someone white, how someone writes this with a straight look on their face. And Bob Nightingale has been on the show, friend of the show, friend of network. I just don't understand how someone writes this with a straight face. And I'm going to find the specific part of this. I know exactly where it was, blah, 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 blah. Ah, damn it. Where was it? All right, fine. We'll take a call first while I look. 608-321-1670. That was anticlimactic. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? This is Dan in Broadhead, Grant. Hey, Dan. How you doing? I'm not too bad. I was calling to uh, chime in about the uh, the whole crazy Cubs thing that you're talking about being a Chicago fan myself, not a Cub fan. Yeah, am I, am but, I missing uh, something? Have the Cubs been this, like, blue chip organization for years where the expectation is championships and I just missed out on it. Have I been misreading this my entire life? No, no, absolutely not. I can tell you as a Sox fan and living in Wisconsin now that uh, you guys are, like you said, very similar in the fact that Brewers fans and Cubs fans, uh, no matter what the team is doing, will show up and go to the stadium, giving the owners reason to not spend money because, Ooh. hey, we're the lovable losers, and we're still lovable even though we lose. 
where I think other teams like Sox fans, when they start losing, you see that stadium empty out. They say, if you don't put a winning product on the field, we're not going to buy the tickets. Interesting. Well, why do Cubs fans still show up? Brewers fans, we have tailgating and tailgating culture. What brings Cubs fans to the ballpark when their team blows? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I could answer it, but it wouldn't be family friendly for the show. To get hammered? It's because it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a college party mixed with, uh, you know, some favorable things in the north side, I guess. Boys Town, you know, what they call it. Are you telling me that there's a, that the north side of Chicago is known for ladies of the night? Is that what you're trying to tell me no, in no, polite no, terms? No, not ladies, uh, not ladies at all. <laughs> oh, men of the night. Oh, well, that's very yeah. progressive for a very liberal city. No, what are you actually trying to say? Just bars? Just booze? Yeah, there's, okay. a, you know, it, Wrigley, Wrigleyville is full of drinking and partying. That's why the bleachers are garbage. It's just a bunch of drunk college kids getting in fights and getting as drunk as they can before the game and after the game. And uh, for some reason, there's a, a heavy population of Chicago women that like the Cubs a lot more than the White Sox. So it tends mm. to draw more men there. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I guess Brewers and Cubs fans, we aren't so different. We both love getting hammered at the game. The difference is Brewers fans, we just like to drive ourselves home because I'm not. I I wanted to make a job. No, I don't think drunk. I don't. I don't think you should joke about drunk driving. I want to make that abundantly clear. Drunk driving is not funny. In fact, it's a plague to our state, and it's a habit that we need to kick. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes and I think that the pressure on Craig is that uh, they want him to win now because. He's no longer, like you said, handcuffed by an organization who won't give him enough talent to support his. I'm, I'm sorry. Is this? Skills. Is it? Did they go out and have a spending spree that I slept through? That is Shohei Otani a, a, a Cub? And I, did I miss that? Is Blake Snell getting getting it signed with the Cub? Again, I, I understand we're all saying these words, and I'm just sitting here thinking I don't think these words are actually correct. Where was the massive influx of spending and talent? Because I expected it too, and it didn't happen, or at least it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I don't see a lot of spending aside from uh, the uh, whatever you want to call the moguls of the freaking sport now. Interesting. It is, as Andrew said, back before 5 o'clock, it is really just three or four different towns. Well, you have lit up the phones. The phone lines are now jammed, Dan, so I have to take a break and then come back and get to some of these <laughs> other callers, and I'll try to find this one quote from this Bob Nightingale story, too. All righty. We'll talk to you soon, Grant. Have a great night. Appreciate you, Dan. Don't drink and drive. It, it is bad, and I should not make light of it. It is, uh, it's not good. I shouldn't. I'm not joking. It's a plague. We need to fix it. Three minutes. Wisco Sports Show. We're back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, I found it. I f- repeat, I found them. Uh, the the article, the quote from the Bob Nightingale story that I want to read you. Uh, tell me I'm not taking crazy pills. Council hit the free agent market on November 1st, and a bidding war ensued, with the New York Mets and Cleveland Guardians each joining the Brewers in pursuit of him. The Houston Astros also had interest, but the chance to stay at home, just 90 minutes door-to-door from Wrigley Field and manage an iconic franchise with huge resources, paying him about twice as much as the Brewers were willing to. Quote, The only way for him to pay or to get paid what he was worth, said Barry Meister, his agent of 30 years, quote, was to get leverage, and the only way to get leverage was to become a free agent. Now again, 
Maybe I've lost touch with reality. It's possible. I sit in a, quite literally, I sit in a padded room by myself for six hours a day. It, it is possible that I've lost touch. But last time I checked, the Chicago Cubs were not a blue chip championship or bust organization. And also last time I checked, Whitefish Bay is not 90 minutes from Wrigley. And also last time I checked, that's not close to home. The Cubs are going to play 82 regular season games at Wrigley Field this year. You're going to commute almost two hours there and back every single game. What the hell is wrong? We have completely lost the plot. And and I and Craig Council needs to pay for these crimes with loss after loss after loss and only the worst sort of baseball karma imaginable. This is nuts. We've completely lost our sense of reality. Also, 90 minutes. It takes longer than 90. 90 minutes from Whitefish Bay to Wrigley Field. If you can do that in 90 minutes, I'll let you host this show, okay? And and in a car, on the road, driving reasonably close to the speed limit. The show is yours if you can make that. If you can make that drive, the, this show, this platform, my Twitter account, it's yours. Take it because I don't deserve to host it because I, I apparently I'm taking crazy pills. 90 minutes is the distance from Whitefish Bay to from, from Wrigley, and that's a close, close to home. Well, good. Good. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Grant, I'm here for baseball. This feels kind of weird. It is odd. This isn't typically your thing, Vagabond John. But I, I do love to be a contrarian, and I do. I did do a little bit of digging, and I think I have, you know, a potential opposing opinion here. Okay. The Cubs fired Joe Madden, who won like 60% of his games two years before he wanted to be fired. <laughs> shortly after he won a World Series for them. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Brewers are the type of organization who would fire a manager who won 60% of their games and won a World Series? No. No, I do not. So I think think what's missing here is you're looking at this from a Wisconsinite perspective who has never had a 90-minute commute or a two-hour commute in their life, right? Don't, 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 don't lecture me right now on how, well, actually in other parts of the country, a 120 minute commute is quite customary, Grant, and you're just a small town bumpkin who can't understand that. I will not, I will not accept that. No, 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 no. I work with a lot of people who live in Baltimore and commute to D.C. every week. The key word there is every week. There you go. Right? They spend a lot of time. They have a secondary residence. They have, they stay in company housing in town. And then they go home for the weekend. And I can tell you right now, 90 minutes or 120 minutes or whatever it is from from the park to to Whitefish Bay is still a hell of a lot, you know, more efficient than flying from Houston every weekend to go see the family. So there are a lot of people around cities who have secondary residents in the city who travel there on Monday and go back on Friday. Now, obviously, baseball, crazy schedule, that's not what it's going to be like. But if his family wants to stay in Whitefish Bay... It's a lot easier for him to come home when they're on a homestand and, you know, he can get a couple days off or whatever it is uh, than flying from Houston every weekend that he has off. So, legitimacy there. Second point, the Cubs fire a lot of managers very fast. Like, like you don't get a lot of chances. So, I think the other point of this post and this article is, whereas Milwaukee, who's had, what, two or three managers since 2010? Yeah. The Cubs don't have that same sort of leeway. I also, Joe Madden wasn't fired. They just didn't renew his contract, right? Like, so, which in, in, in 
He came out afterwards and said, I wanted two more years. They said no. So yes. was Joe Barry fired or was he let go? You tell me. Well, I don't know. Right. We we were fed wrong information about his contract. We learned afterwards that he did have time left on his contract. Matt LaFleur, just honest to goodness, fired him. Right. But I do think, like, looking even further back, like, just look at the history of Cubs' tenures of, of managers and brewers. So I think there's two points here. Number one, it is closer. It is more efficient for those off weekends. It's much easier to get from Chicago to Milwaukee than Houston to Milwaukee, especially that Milwaukee airport. Yikes. Um, Secondary, the Cubs are more like a big brand. They are more like an East Coast team in not the sense that they've been successful in the sense that they operate irrationally like the New York Jets, and if he comes out with one losing season, he's canned, right? So I think, like, almost as a point of bragging, yes. There is more pressure. Yes, the expectations are. By the way, Andrew Wagner, smart goals. He, he needs that lesson. Um, specific and realistic. Specific, yeah. measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. Exactly. Yeah. So, so LinkedIn attainable culture. and and Brewers, you know, World Series. The yeah, they're setting goals. Yeah, we get it. Anyways. Um, that, that was my takes. I wanted to come in, be my normal contrarian self, test out my baseball takes. I do think the Cubs are more irrational than the Brewers. As Brewer fans, I think we can interpret that and take it a couple different ways. I don't think, you know, you're not, you're not totally off base and thinking it's wild. But at the same time, like, yes, they are more irrational. They do think they're winners. And that's why we can sit here and kind of laugh at them and be like, ah. you know, they're just idiots. They're from, they're from Chicago. You know, 2016, that World Series really messed a lot of things up it really it really it skewed our perception of yeah it just ruined baseball for me i haven't been back <laughs> but now most people most people left you. during the strike not vagabond john he quit when the cubs won a title that's bad i love that i respect it <laughs> all right grant that's my baseball talk for the week uh love the calls i i'm, I'm fully on board with baseball talk now that football is over so i'll stop shaming i'll stop shaming uh the old the old baseball God bless you, Vagabond John. Appreciate you. Have a good one. We'll take one more call here before we go to break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. Tony from Texas. And you know Council's going to get a helicopter like Stevie Ray Vaughn. And you know what happened to Stevie Ray, right? Yikes. Okay. Well, no, Council better not be flying a helicopter to and from Whitefish Bay. It'd be such a prick thing to do. Don't you agree? Like, come on. Better avoid Alpine Valley. Well, yeah, again, well, I thought I made it clear the first time you joked about Alpine Valley that that was probably a little too soon and uncomfortable. Go ahead, do it a second time for good measure. I I don't know. I just, I I hate everything I'm reading about Council and the Cubs. It's like, well, why wouldn't wouldn't he? He gets to to sleep in his own bed every night and he only has to drive two hours each way to do it. Like, what, do people read what they're, that's not reasonable. That's not, oh my God. We used to have editors. Journalism is dead, Tony. I think that's really where, where this is, where we're ending up here. Well, you know, Andrew Wagner, he's not dead. He's a tortured artist, I think. I love his work. I do too. Good man. Good man. He's like our uh, Kurt Cobain of, of writers, of beat writers for the Brewers. Misunderstood, but very brilliant. So, I would agree. Uh, yeah, big, big Andrew fan. Met that guy. Nice guy. Um, you know, the Brewers, I, I kind of still worry about them moving for some reason. And I saw Salt Lake is now trying to get in, get in on the, our team and, and uh, build a uh, build a stadium like a uh, some type of a uh, kind of like a deer district type thing, but for Salt Lake City for the Mormons. I think uh, Cohen mentioned the, the team they would be the Salt Lake Soakers or something. <laughs> but I, I just kind of worry about the Brewers' long term success. And 
you know, Scott Boris, he's like the baseball antichrist. I call him. I don't like these agents, these long-term contracts. And hearing what you were saying and what Andrew was saying, it just scares me, man. You know, you know what I actually respect? And I was going to say this to Bill earlier. I just didn't. I don't like stepping on Bill's toes when he's doing the show. When I can naturally fit in a comment, I do. I actually respect Scott Boris in that he does not hide his intentions at all. Like, he does not pretend to be sure. something he's not. He's like, look, you want to get paid a ton of money? I'll, I'll get you paid and I will get you taken care of. Like I had professors in college who not, not a ton, but at one or two, you know, in, in big high level classes, they're like, look, if your intention here is to just graduate, you're very close. I can help you do this project or this research paper in a way that's a little different. Now, if you're looking to get this thing published and you're looking to go on to grad school, tell me, cause I can help you do that as well. I appreciate the transparency and I weirdly respect Scott Boris for just being like, yeah, I'm just going to get you paid by hook or by crook. And I don't really care how it happens. So if you want to get paid sound with me, I actually respect yeah, that. Remember Zach, Zach Granke when he said, I'm just going to go wherever they pay me. Yeah. And I, and like, look, look, I would like to think there's a little bit more magic in the free agency decision of, of sports. But go get your bread. Like, if you're worth a lot of money, go get paid. Like, I can't fault a player for doing that. And I can't fault an agent for, like, hey, I'm just going to get you paid. All right, you want that? Come with me. I'll make it happen. Hey, was that Dan from Broadhead? Was that the one, that, the guy that wanted me killed? Hmm. Or murdered? Is, is, that the guy who, is that the guy who told you to take a long walk off a short pier? Is that the was call? That, was that him? I can't remember. Maybe? Yeah, I think maybe, actually. I think he was Dan. I thought Dan had a pretty good call until he started talking about Boys Town or something. I didn't quite. I, he lost me there, but you know, Dan, I'm still ticking, man. Still, still going in the Bears. Yeah. Stuff. Also, Dan, I, I don't understand. He talked about Wrigley or Wrigleyville, like it's the only neighborhood in the Midwest that has lots of bars, and like I, <laughs> like that's just not. Well, Wrigleyville's cool in the summer, especially. Like it's it's a fun place to go hang out. Don't get me wrong, but if the point is to get drunk, like we we don't have a shortage of options here. No, this isn't West Hollywood. This isn't Vanderpump Rules here. You know what I'm saying, Dan? Have you been watching the new season? Of course. I saw Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant in Vegas, and I wanted to go. I also wanted to go to Bobby Flay's restaurant, but uh, I can only eat so many times, and, you know, I can't go to every casino. Yeah. Hey, Grant, uh, have a great night. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to watch any Bucks basketball for a while. I just need the Bucks to show up and win a game tonight so we're not all miserable for the entire All-Star break. Is that too damn much to ask from this team that won a title two years ago? I don't think it is. And now the teams are throwing out Giannis trade rumors like I knew they would. So, anyway. Circle back. Tony, I appreciate you. Uh, I'm glad that Dan did not speak ill and and wish harm on you this time. Well, the Bears still suck, Dan. So, anyway, see you. (laughs) See you, Tony. Tony in Texas. Uh, Let's talk football next that's a good idea we're back in five minutes this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network wisco sports show appreciate you being here hanging out we should probably talk football because I think the more I yell about the Brewers, the worse the show's going to get. We can revisit tomorrow. I just hate how NL Central Cubs Brewers history is being rewritten because now all of a sudden Craig Council is there. Just annoys me. It's like, well, yeah, they have the resources in Chicago. Well, if they do, this will be the first time in basically my lifetime I've ever seen those resources utilized. Well, in 2016, yeah, and then what happened? They got rid of all of those guys. They could have paid them. They have the money. 
Instead, they traded them all off. They started a rebuild. Big market teams aren't supposed to rebuild. Rebuild, that's what the Brewers do. Well, actually, the Brewers don't. The Brewers are like, no, we're not We're not with the Poors. Don't lump us in with the Marlins and the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. No, 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 no. We're steady as she goes here in Milwaukee. I said I was done yelling about this. Done yelling about this. Uh, first, we'll take a call. Then I want to talk some football things. I, I want to try to figure out what the what's the biggest story of the NFL offseason. What's it going to be? Think about that. Chew on that. We'll close the show with that, and we'll probably revisit it tomorrow, I think, as we get another day removed from the Super Bowl, and we start to embark into the offseason. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Ridge Runner Mark. How are we doing, sir? Ridge Runner Mark. Good evening. I'm doing well. How about you? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Just on my way to pick up groceries, and uh, I, you know, to help escape you from talking about the NL Central and shenanigans with the Cubs, who have money but don't won't spend it uh nfl yesterday you were riffing on the idea of luck quotient yes and i'm wondering if we could exchange the word luck for extremism oh. it's, 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 it's <laughs> hell yeah and, and, and hear what i'm talking about so extreme uh and 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 this doesn't even talk about the and not even just the games um quarterbacks get all the blame extremely they also get all the praise, extremely. Okay. And coaches get all the blame, all the all the all the criticism, all the bonus. Same thing with defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators. It's a team sport, but they highlight individuals, and their play playing is a make or break, not the team. Hmm. And so, instead of luck, you can supplant the word extremism, so or, or extremes. So. They, you know, the extreme bounce of the ball. I mean, it's not a round ball. It's an odd-shaped ball. It's going to bounce weird. So that, that just adds to that flavor, if that kind of makes sense. So let me ask you this, Ridge Runner, Mark. The points that you're making lead me to believe that you think Brock Purdy's getting more blame and Kyle Shanahan, the, the certain parties with the Niners are getting more blame than they deserve. Is, am I reading that correctly? And I want you to tell me more about that, if so. Uh, I, think, I think, generally speaking, that is the default foundational criticism or praise that sports in general do and the NFL takes it to an extreme and you know they're they, they you know the, the Niners lost they were supposedly favored in that game and they were winning a good chunk of that game but anyone who has their eyeballs and has watched football for the last 20 years can understand if it's 10-0 at half are the Niners really winning that game at that point? No, they're not. If they were up 24 to, or even 17 to three, or 17 to zero, then you're like, then you feel a little bit better. But okay. we have seen over the years that that kind of scoring, that where they're not just hitting it on like two or three drives in a row and they get up 21 nothing. That, especially in the Super Bowl, if they're up 21 nothing, I mean, Atlanta and New England notwithstanding. That game's essentially over, or you can relax unless something extreme or lucky happens. I, I would agree with you that a 10-point lead over Patrick Mahomes is is not significant. So, to, so to, to roll Kyle Shanahan over the coals for pulling a double-digit lead, yeah, it was double digits, but it was 10 points at halftime against Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. So I agree that. It, it was a double-digit It was a double digit lead in name only. Yeah, Ooh, good, 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 good. Yeah, I like that. I like that, yes. Yeah, so... And, you know, the, the talking heads, the people like yourself who need to fill up time and talk about things, 
can't just say it, do the equivalent, because I would say just do the equivalent of a shoulder shrug. That could have game could have gone either way. It went the Chiefs' way. Why must we blame someone? Why must we throw someone under the bus when you don't really have to? They had a great season. They had a great couple of comeback games, one against Packers and, and even more so against the Lions, and they made it to a Super Bowl. 31 other teams can't say that. And we keep poo-pooing teams for not getting to the end because we're so, I want to say, like, numb to the idea of winning multiple Super Bowls because the Patriots did it for so long. Yeah. Legitimately or illegitimately, I'm still going to throw in the whole, I think they can't do it. And so now we're like, well, Rodgers only won one Super Bowl. Well, then he sucks. Wait a minute. He won one Super Bowl and got them so close to winning game, winning championships with a really bad team that we shouldn't be taking away from that. Yeah, and and that's just what that's what happened to Kyle Shanahan. He got his team to the Super Bowl with a quarterback that is that doesn't have the the pedigree and was playing really really well and played really well through most of that Super Bowl. Just didn't get enough points. Yeah, he came up a throw or two short against the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Like, there are are worse ways to go out. I agree with you, Mark, in that sports fans are really bad after a tough loss. We're really bad at looking around and saying, you know what? I'm not really sure if there was anything else we could have done. Ball didn't bounce our way. The game didn't go our way. Got a little unlucky. We're very bad at going, shucks, it was not our day today. And maybe there was one or two things Shanahan could have done a little bit better, but big picture, like, they just, it just wasn't their day. And, it, and there's not Montana, always someone whose head has got a role. You know what I mean? Right. Montana had a great quote where he's like, well, we didn't lose the game. We just ran out of time. Yeah. And that's that's another way to look at it. Oh, we just ran out of time. Interesting. And so that's, that's my take. And it's a compelling one. I enjoyed this call, Ridge Runner, Mark. I appreciate you. Did you guys get snow in the cross last night, by the way? Uh, I got ice and snow. It's all gone now, but I had ice. Yeah. I had ice and then a layer of snow on top of my car from the ridge. It was fun. We just had slush. All right, I just like to keep in the know. That's all. All right, Mark, I'll let you go. Have a good night, okay? <laughs> Take care, man. Bye. Ridge runner, Mark. We do go a little nuts. Fan is short for fanatic. This is nothing new. We're very bad. You'll never find a fan base after a loss where it's like, shoot, just didn't. It didn't happen for us, guys. You know, and there are some games where it's it's blown, like. Being up the way that the Packers were up in 2014, that's not an aw shucks loss. The Falcons blowing a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl, that's not an aw shucks loss. But then there are some losses where it's like, just didn't happen. You know, and we can get we can get mad at the coach. We can get mad. We can, we can try to escape, so, escape someone to make ourselves feel better, but it just didn't happen. I think baseball is probably the best sport. It's like manager made a move, didn't work. Doesn't mean it was the wrong move. It doesn't mean it wasn't sound strategy. It doesn't mean, you know, the player wasn't put in a position to succeed. Player made a pitch. Hitter made a hit. Okay. Nothing you can do. We're very bad at pointing that out as fans. We always we always got to blame someone and be mad at someone and be like, well, if this person just would have done this, then this would have happened. That's not always true. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, could have been 5% better on Sunday. And maybe 5% more is enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. I, I've said this week, you need to find every little edge and every little margin that you can against Mahomes. And I, I don't think Shanahan did that. But Shanahan did not coach his team out of the ability to win that game. Let's put it that way. Let's take our final three-minute break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Wisco Sports Show, last couple of minutes. One of my favorite things to do is to tease a topic segment after segment after segment. Hey, coming up, we're going to do this. Hey, coming up, we're going to do the next segment. We're going to do the and then I just never do it Um, for the last couple of minutes. We'll probably talk more about this tomorrow. We're going into the NFL offseason, right? We're now moved past the Super Bowl, got past the Taylor Swift takes, the Travis Telsey takes, the Kyle Shanahan discourse, and we've kind of moved on. Next week, we will have really moved on. And I'm trying to think, going into this offseason, what's the biggest story? What's the number one thing now? Easy answer, I suppose, would be the Bears with the number one overall pick. Who do they take? Do they take a quarterback? Do they trade down? Do they build around Justin Fields? I think that would be nuts. I don't think they're going to do that. And I don't think the biggest story, the most interesting story of an offseason can feature the Chicago Bears. I just, I, I don't, I don't think, I think people are, are, we want something else. You can only pick at the top of the draft so many times before people just stop caring. Like the Jets could have a top five pick over and over and over. It's like, okay, until you guys actually like have a quarterback and are interesting and can contend, it's, you're just picking player. We just tune them out. It's white noise, Right. So I, I know that people will be interested about Caleb Williams because it's this whole willy wony thing, you know, whether they build around fields or, or whatever. And I guess, I guess the Justin Fields part of the Bears is interesting because that could impact other teams. Would the Falcons be interested? Would the Steelers be interested? Uh, other teams around the NFL. So so the, the story with the number one overall pick involves the Panthers, involves the Bears, and it could involve another team should Justin Fields be put in the move. Or it could involve another team if another team wants to trade up and take that pick from Chicago. Okay. A sneaky, underrated storyline of the offseason right now is Kirk Cousins a free agent, okay? Now, Kirk Cousins on his face, just as a player, is not the sexiest, most interesting storyline, although it's been kind of fun to watch his approval rating the last two years just go up and up and up. In a way, I've never seen with a player before this late in his career. Like, typically, a player is very popular early, and then we get frustrated with that player, or the approval rating. It's been the opposite with Kirk Cousins. Approval rating has gone up, 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 basically every step of the way, especially the last two years, and I think he was in that quarterback show, which probably helps. That probably makes a difference. Kirk Cousins to Atlanta makes the NFC South a lot more interesting, makes the NFC very interesting. Kirk Cousins to San Francisco? It would be difficult. The money would be weird. Brock Purdy's role on the team would all of a sudden become weird. Kyle Shanahan's always wanted Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins on the Niners would be fascinating. Kirk Cousins on the Falcons would be interesting. I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl, but it would certainly be interesting. Kirk Cousins' free agency becomes very interesting. And if Kirk Cousins leaves the Vikings, did then they tank? And if the Vikings tank, what does that mean for Jefferson and something like Daniel Hunter's on that squad too. What does that mean for the rest of the roster? It's very interesting. And does Kevin O'Connell feel like he is in a place where he can tank? Thomas Dimitrov went on with Kevin Clark. I was watching this clip because Kevin Clark retweeted it. It was an interview they did at the Super Bowl at the Omaha set. And they were were talking about like, why do more teams not do what Green Bay does? Why do more teams not stash a quarterback and develop him? And Dimitrov's answer was like, well, no coach and GM has the job stability to be able to do that, right? They feel if they don't win eight or nine games, they're going to get fired. Kevin O'Connell had a great first season, a not-so-great second season, although his quarterback was injured. Is he in a place where they can move off of Kirk Cousins and tank for a quarterback? I don't know. 
So the Vikings are an interesting team this offseason. There's always one team that you don't expect to make a move on a quarterback. Top three of the draft, the Bears, the Patriots, the Commanders. Well, actually, it's Bears, Commanders, Patriots in that order. Do all three of those teams, do all three of those teams, are they all taking quarterbacks? And if not, who's jumping up to take one of those quarterbacks? I don't know. We're starting to get into the offseason. Some of these conversations are really going to get hot and heavy. I'm excited. Speaking of hot and heavy, Zach Heilprin, Jesse Temple, Temple and Heilprin coming up next. They're live at Monks and Sun Prairie. If you're over on that side of Madison, stop in. Food, drink specials. You can watch the Bucks game, partake in some good Badgers talk. The rest of you, I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Never miss a Friday show. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. Never miss a Friday show, ever.